Is there any hope for America? That question is being asked more and more frequently these days as our nation shakes its fist at God and rebels against His Word. Megachurch pastor Tom Hughes has written an insightful book in response to this crucial question. Stay tuned for an interview with him. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. My colleague Nathan Jones and I have a very special guest today, Tom Hughes, who is the pastor of a mega church in San Jacinto, California called 412 Church. Welcome to Christ in Prophecy, hey, it's Tom. Great to be here, okay. Dr. Reagan. Yeah. Good to have you on, Tom. Finally, Hi, in person. In person. This is great, <laughs> not just over the TV. Not over the TV. Well, tell us, where is San Jacinto? And you have a very interesting name for your church. Maybe you can explain it. It's a great pronunciation on the name, by the way. Jacinto. <laughs> Thanks San to your Jacinto. coaching. Yeah, San Jacinto. So we are. Yeah. Uh, we are northeast of San Diego, California, okay. and we are just west of Palm Springs. So we're in between the two. Pretty deserty community. I was going to say, is that desert area? It is. Gets really hot in the summer, and uh, it's dry, but uh, it's a beautiful place and a wonderful place to do ministry. But it is in Southern California, so. Uh, please pray for us in California. Yes, <laughs> I feel a like a missionary later. out there sometimes. And the more I'm into Bible prophecy, the more things I see, wow, uh, how much we need the Lord. Was your church's name a missions-oriented type name? Well, what happened was it's a Calvary Chapel uh, originally. Okay. Still is. We're still within the Calvary Chapel system. But I wanted a name that conveyed the vision statement, the mission statement. And our mission statement is to win, disciple, and send. And all of the other names were taken, the name of Cornerstone and, and Horizon, and all these names are taken. So I wanted something that would really stand out, convey that, convey that vision statement. And so we went with 412, because it's very biblical, mm -hmm. we based it on Acts 412, uh, Hebrews 412, and Ephesians 412 to win, disciple, and send. And of Good course, verses. Acts, they are. And it causes people to ask, well, where do you come up with a name like 412? That, that's a number church. And I say, well, it is. And it's great opportunity to be able to share three Bible verses right off the bat. Of course, Acts 412, there's no other name under heaven by which a person can be saved. And then the other two verses. So, it's a real blessing. So, it gives you a chance to share the gospel if they ask you the meaning of the church. It, it, it is, <laughs> Dr. Reagan. And, and people say all the time, well, that's not even a, a biblical name. I say, you find a more biblical name <laughs> yeah, than, than the number of our church. Well, not, at least it's not 410, a shotgun church. No, it's not that. <laughs> it could have, we could have other names, but there we go. <laughs> well, uh, we want to talk for, to you about this new book of yours called America's Coming Judgment. Judgment and where is our hope? And Tom, uh, in this book, you make this comment The God things now painted as offensive by our society were once the roots that nourished and anchored our republic. That's a profound statement. Are you saying by that that we were once a Christian nation, or what are you saying? 
Well, a few different things just in that statement alone, but with are we a Christian nation, I would say this. I know this can be offensive to some people. I believe our nation was founded upon Christian principles and founded upon the Word. I mean, you can look at the Bible and you can find, okay, it was primarily our founding fathers were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, All of them, we'll get to that in a minute, uh, was it all of them, but nevertheless, founded on Christian principles, founded on the very Word of God, the Ten Commandments. So we look at that. But a Christian nation, I I, I struggle to say we're actually a Christian nation, but founded upon biblical principles, yes. You could say that Israel is a Jewish nation because it's ethnically Jewish. But to say uh, that America is a Christian nation, founded upon biblical principles, absolutely. It yeah. sets the, the charter for the course of America, too, because this is, this is our principles. Well, our whole Constitution was based upon Judeo-Christian principles, because yeah. when you look at the separation of powers and the balance that they put in there, these men did not trust men. They had the biblical view that man is basically evil and not basically good. And they put all kinds of checks and balances in there to make sure that they could control this power. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that all comes from a Judeo-Christian viewpoint. Absolutely. And then when we look at it in today's society, or when you go to Washington right now, we look at the news every day, and we can see the problems with men's decision, uh, men's decisions. Excuse me. You look at Romans chapter one. God says, "Professing to be wise, I'm going to show them to be fools." And that appears to be exactly what is happening. That's what the founding fathers were concerned of. We have the Word of God, which is our plumb line. It is the truth. And if if we were to stay with the Word, and with the truth, then we'd be able to stay on that right path. Yes. But yep. when men start making up their own rules void of the Word of God, then we're going to start having all the problems that we do have, and these things are only going to increase. Well, what about those who deny our Christian heritage in America by saying that the Founding Fathers were deists? In other words, God wound up the universe and then left. There's no personal God. Yeah. Is that true? Were the Founding Fathers deists? Well, there's, yeah, I hear that. I hear it all the time. Yeah. I'm sure you do also. They weren't Christians. They that, were deists. Yeah, there were only very few Christians. It's actually just the opposite. Okay. Most of them were Christian. Christian. They were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and with the few deists that there were, uh, Thomas Jefferson and I believe Benjamin Franklin, ben Franklin were probably right. the most famous. And there's two of them. There really weren't very many. And even in that, as much as they were deists, uh, meaning God wound up the universe and now man is left up to his own demise, which is, you know, crazy in and of itself. But with that, even with Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin, they still understood that, that the Bible had this, this it, it was this plumb line. It yes. guided us and they understood the truth that was in here. Thomas Jefferson, although he, he created his own Bible, so to speak, cut out the words that he liked and, and, and kept <laughs> them. All the miracles and, out. He, he <laughs> took the things he didn't believe in, did, thought were a little absurd. He, he got rid of those. Uh, he still understood that these were, there were true principles in here. Well, and, and he understood the need to live by them. Yeah, bo- both of them in their writings emphasized the fact that you simply could not have the kind of government they were setting up without there being a spiritual base. Yeah. That you had to have a, whether they were Christian or not, they had to be a, have a spiritual base in this nation for Wasn't the for Jefferson, the system to work. Yeah, and didn't Jefferson say that that this nation democracy could not exist unless we were a moral nation? Yeah. Was so it you, Jefferson? Yeah. Well, speaking Absolutely. of Jefferson, you put a lot of emphasis in this book yeah. on the Declaration of Independence. Why? 
well, the Declaration of Independence, I, I would say, is our charter. In fact, I think it was Michael Ferris who, who I quote in, in the book himself, a constitutional attorney. But with that, so the Declaration of Independence is our charter. And if we understand what a charter is, a charter charts the course. Mm -hmm. for, for a ship, it's, it's mapping the course on the ocean. And so you have the Constitution of the United States, which tells us here's how things are supposed to operate. Uh, and then we have certain laws that are brought in. But all of them must follow this charter. Here's the map. So everything must be interpreted according to the Declaration of Independence. And ultimately, when we look at the Declaration of Independence, when we understand it, it's a declaring our independence from King George. And at the same time, declaring our dependence upon God yes. and the submission to God. And so we, when we look at that, we go, okay, so the Constitution must be interpreted under the guidelines of the Declaration of Independence, ultimately Declaration of Dependence upon the moral God who has founded our Creator, who He's called throughout the, the founding documents. Now, you assert country. in your book that America today is under the judgment of God. Why do you believe that? Yeah. Well, I think that when I look at it like this, and, and, uh, and I understand this can be somewhat subjective, but if we were to take biblical truth and biblical principles and just take one thing like uh, abortion and just that alone. So what we are experiencing in our country is because of man's uh, press in this country to abort babies, we are experiencing all of the repercussions in the breakdown of the family, mm -hmm. the, the uh, economy, we're, we're experiencing all sorts of things. And uh, much of what I put in the book is really founded upon what we have in the Old Testament principles. You know, you mentioned something there that most people don't understand. You said abortion has an impact upon the economy. Yeah. Well, look, we've killed, what, 60 million babies yeah. who could be producing today and paying taxes and keeping Social Security, for example, from going broke. Yeah, we have that principle, right? <laughs> and Social Security is another attempt by man to be able to fix the man's problems that man created. But when you start looking at abortion in the economy or the family, what happened is in the mindset of people, uh, Babies are, well, they're not that important. Um, and, and so they become not just not important in the womb. They are not important once they're born. So we have the complete breakdown of family. The lust will grow cold, right? Uh, the, absolutely. So in the last days, lawlessness will abound. The love of many will grow cold. And that is where we are. So now we're raising up kids in, in the foster system. They're, they find themselves in jails. Our jails are full because we disrespect life as God created it. And, and, we, and when you look at ancient Israel and you find out, you know, you have the murder of, of babies in ancient Israel on the arms of Molech uh, for, for the issue of greed and sex. And we're ultimately doing the same thing. But, but so, it's so sad because our families are suffering, because the families are suffering, we have complete deterioration within our society. Well, folks, uh, we're going to uh, take a pause here for just a moment. When we come back, I'm going to ask Tom to tell us why he thinks what he thinks is America's greatest danger. Welcome back to Christ and Prophecy interview with Pastor Tom Hughes of the 412 Church in San Jacinto, California. We're discussing his new book that is titled America's Coming Judgment 
where is our hope? Now, Tom, on page 136, you say that there is a great danger to the United States. Could you tell us what that danger is? Yeah, let, let me uh, back it up a little bit, okay. uh, back into the 1700s and, and uh, understand a little bit about our foundations, even pre-Declaration of Independence and pre-Constitution. When America in its beginning stages began and teaching their kids, uh, one of the school books that was used was the primer. And, and looking at that, I found this phenomenal in all of my studies is that the kids were taught how to read based upon biblical things. For example, the ABCs, you start with A, A for Adam, in Adam's fall we sinned all. Wow. And you go all the way through the alphabet like that, B for Bible and, and so forth. You get down to Z, all the way through to Z with Zacchaeus climbing the tree and Jesus he would see. You, you look at that and you go, wow, could you imagine? <laughs> Just think if yeah. that was done in a school today. Yeah. But Tom, the interesting thing is that in the 1950s when I was in mm -hmm. high school, our senior English reader was Bible stories with a moral at the end. And that was in the mid-1950s. That's not that long ago. That's how fast yeah. the decline has occurred. Yeah. And that's our greatest danger right. then? A, a switch from well, Christian teaching to secular? Well, really, so you fast forward from the 1950s. Okay. You hit the 1960s, yeah. God is kicked out of the schools, essentially. Yeah. I mean, but, but I've heard it well said that uh, as long as there's math tests, there's always going to be prayer in schools. <laughs> yeah. So, no matter what man wants to do, yeah, it's my daughter was doing a lot of praying this morning for her Spanish <laughs> test. Yeah, no kidding. I have my son praying a lot. I said, you better pray over this because you need help. But uh, So, we look at that, right? So, God's been removed. In that, what we have is this great moral decline that has just affected everything. So, you can look and say, well, some people say, well, the military is the biggest problem, or uh, it's the economy, or the earthquake or the hurricanes. Look, it is morality because we have removed God. Yeah. So, it starts with what we've done with God. And these are conscious decisions that our leaders have made. And again, you can go all the way back to ancient Israel. In ancient Israel, you know, Daniel loved God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego loved God. The Old Testament prophets loved God. But the nation still went under judgment because their leaders were the ones, the ones who were making the decisions had turned from God and removed God from everything, including Including the killing of babies, right? So we have that. So this is where we are. So there's still some wonderful people in our country, but our leaders have said we don't want God, and it has just gone absolutely to the dark side. And so fast. And, and so fast. And, you know, myself being in California, California seems to be leading the charge on everything that's immoral. And it is, it is heartbreaking it, just, to, just to watch. And I have two young kids. One's in high school, uh, one's in junior high. And you, know, you have young children too. And I watch them, wonderful kids, but I know what, I know what's being taught. I know there's wonderful teachers out there that love the Lord, but the system is well, so uh, It bad. broke my heart to watch California when they were uh, debating whether or not to approve same-sex marriage and the churches organized and, and millions were spent and, and you won the election and then one judge just like that. Yeah. And, and you know, so, so here it is. Uh, you look at our government and we're supposed to be a democracy, it so is. to speak. You vote, California voters voted yes. in favor of traditional marriage right. and a judge says, well, we don't agree with that. And there, and there you have it. And now we are watching still the pendulum of thought in California is still getting further and for, further towards the immoral side since that has happened. And is that what the result of sin is? And as we pull away from God, we reap what we sow. And what we're reaping is what? 
we are reaping the, you sow to the wind, you reap the whirlwind. Yeah. Yeah. And this is exactly what we've done. I have a, a large garden, I love to garden. And, uh, I, have, and I, I, I plant all kinds of fruit trees and, 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 and plant vegetables and everything, right? Uh -huh. So if I am going to plant a particular type of tomato, it's going to grow a particular type of tomato. Okay, so we reap what we sow. We have sown to the wind in, in the immoral things. We are reaping the whirlwind. And again, you can look at our prisons, you can look at our schools, you can look at our courts, you can look at the judges, you can look, look at what is going on in Washington right now. And it is, it is, it is absolute madness. We look what's coming out of the entertainment industry, all the way around the entertainment industry. Speaking of thing. California, you have a section of your book in of about San Francisco yeah. that's titled Wealth and Decadence. What do you mean by that? Well, I, I think San Francisco is a great illustration for the problems that we are, that this whole world is facing. So on the one hand, I know this is going to be disgusting to your viewers, but on the one hand in, in uh, San Francisco, the homeless situation is so severe that with that, you know, where, where do people go to the bathroom and that sort of thing, right? Or whatever else. So they have actually stepped up what, what's called poop patrols. And uh -huh. that's, this is disgusting. And, and, uh, and so I, I don't want to, in the streets? they are on, in the streets on the sidewalks. This is humans. This is not dogs, yeah, yeah, right? We think yeah. of dog parks and that sort of thing. This, this is human beings, right? And the, the, some of the infrastructures, the buildings, the street lamps and so forth, this is, this is really disgusting. But from people relieving themselves on the side of buildings and on the side of uh, street lamps and so forth, the, the actual construction is crumbling. And, and this is happening in San Francisco. So San Francisco at the same time is one of the most expensive places on the entire planet that you can live. And I give a, an example in the book of a, a gentleman interviewed in an article, his name is Michael, $700,000 a year salary, all right? That's a lot of money. And he cannot afford to live in San Francisco. He has to commute two and a half hours to work. $700,000 a year salary, yet when he gets to San Francisco, he has to step over this yeah. Well, you think the, they can the, afford to build some bathrooms in, in San well, Francisco? They can, <laughs> they can afford or? to it. And, yeah. and, but you look at that, and we start looking at things, you're going, you've got to be kidding me. No, this is reality. And I believe what's happening in San Francisco is a, is a, is a magnified picture of what is coming to every part in America. We are watching mm -hmm. man's decisions to fix things. Man can only make things worse. Mm -hmm. Again, Romans chapter 1, professing to be wise, God says, I'll show them to be fools. But it's hard to believe $700,000 a year, so expensive in San Francisco, there. can't live there. Well, I can remember but, 20, 30 years ago when Billy Graham used to say, if God doesn't judge San Francisco soon, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. And in your book, uh, you talk about that we are in the days of Sodom. Yeah, well, well it, indeed, when you look at it, you, you go back to the book of Genesis, you see what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah, and you have these... Uh, we, we, we can tell from how it works out with Lot, there was these men who went around the, the streets looking for someone they could rape. Right, you know, I don't know how else to put it. Without any law against them. With, with, yeah, and, and it seems to be just fine with society, accepted by society, yeah, right? Yeah. But what's most fascinating about this, so this is where we are in America on the one hand, but what's most fascinating, most scary about this is when Jesus was alive in the Gospel of Matthew, he sends out his disciples into the other communities, the other cities, to tell them his word. 
right? Give them the hope. If they reject you, he says, it will be worse for them than it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Why is that? Because they have, they have the truth that is coming to them. Mm-hmm. Sodom did not have the truth. So when we look at America, we've got preachers. We have the Word of God. There are more Bibles sold every single year than any other book, probably than all the other books. Uh, I mean, we start looking at history, it's just phenomenal the amount of Bibles that are sold. But every single year, it is the bestseller. And so we have the truth. There's Bibles in homes, but yet we are living like Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, Tom, you and I just don't understand because every time I get into a discussion of this with somebody on the other side, they always say, homosexuality had nothing to do with Sodom and Gomorrah and their judgment. It was They were lack of hospitality. Yeah, lack of, lack of hospitality. <laughs> yeah, I've, how many times have I heard that? You know, so so if, if we don't even go to Sodom and Gomorrah, we can go back to the days of Noah, right? And look at that. Okay, what was it? You have you have the violence. You you have the rejection of God. You violence have, and immorality. Those were the two characteristics. Every yeah. thought in their yeah. minds was evil. Right? Every thought in their minds was evil, and so you you, you still have the same progression. Right. right. And, and so. well, in your book, you say that the chief criminal organization in America today is the government. That's a mouthful. Yeah. Wow, that's brave. It is. And I, and I don't think many people would disagree with me anymore. <laughs> when you, when you, look at, you look at what is going on in Washington, if we were to take the current temperature of Washington, and you see we have issues with the FBI, you have issues with Congress, uh, we, we have what you could call um, we have two two mob families, the Republicans and the Democrats. I don't know how else you can put it, right? We're pretty well linked together in all We're very well linked together. However, yeah. it's which family is going to come out ahead or which family are you going to, to decide you want to be adopted by. Well, the President uh, said he was going to drain the swamp and he discovered that some of the members of his own party are part of the swamp. They're part of the swamp. You know what? Those, those uh, crocodiles in that swamp are pretty vicious too. <laughs> and, and recently, the, the revelation, for example, that they had this slush fund at the Treasury Department to pay off the women who had been harassed by members of Congress, using your money and my money to pay them off. Now, this is pretty unbelievable. So, we have them preaching their morality, (laughs) trying to pretend like they were moral people all along. And now, we have what's come up out of Hollywood, but what's happened in Hollywood has been conveyed over to Congress oh, yeah. and to politics, the Senate, all and all these politicians saying, "Shame on you! Sh- you shouldn't do this." And they are doing far worse <laughs> things behind the closed doors. Now it doesn't surprise us, I don't think, but it's finally coming out in public. And God, I believe, is exposing oh, yeah. the sins of America, giving us an opportunity to get right with Him too. Well, you, uh, I want you to explain a statement that's on page two hundred of your book. It's a a very interesting statement in which, you, in which you say, I've got it written down here, when a nation falls under the curse of Romans 1, it can't make laws fast enough to keep up with the evil growing in the hearts of human beings. Yeah. And yeah. That results in totalitarianism? That's oh, the direction everything's going. You know, and we know biblically the direction this will go. I think George Orwell, 1984, with his predictions in that book, we are watching this happen. Great Britain. Yeah, Yeah, we are in America. So, just I gave an example in the book of this. In 2011, there were 40,000 laws that were passed. Uh, These are laws regarding the 50 states and territories. They were not federal laws. They were not cities or county laws. 40,000 laws in 2011, not including federal or city or, or county. 
And you look at that and you think, okay, this is man's attempt because we are so depraved. We've gone so far south. You can't do this. You shouldn't do that. And, and so, we, so we start making a law. We can't keep the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are removed from schools and courthouses and everywhere. Mm. And yet, since we can't keep the Ten Commandments, let's add 40,000 laws per year That's and amazing. try to keep them. It's impossible. The lawmakers can't keep up. How do you interpret the laws? What was really meant to be said in those things? And that takes us back to the Declaration of Independence. Well, the Bible's got it right. Love God, yeah. love each other. Vertical and horizontal, two, and it two, covers two everything. Things. Two, two things. things. Yeah. You re- this reminds me of a brief video, you probably saw it, that was put out by a Harvard University uh, professor who teaches in the Business Administration Department of Harvard University. And in this he talked about how he was conversing with a Chinese student that he had. And the student said, you know the thing I've noticed that's a difference between the United States and China is all these churches, churches everywhere. And the fact that you all put so much importance upon following moral law and that sort of thing. And he said, you know in our society we don't have that. So we have to have a totalitarian dictatorship to, and this Harvard professor said, yes that's exactly right. If you don't have the moral foundation then you can't hire enough policemen. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. Well, does yeah, that mean uh, there's no yeah. hope? Uh, I mean, uh, will you say we're sliding towards totalitarianism? Uh, are we, as we reach the point of no return? I believe there's always hope. Okay. And I, I would liken it to this. I'm a pastor, and I visited a lot of people in the hospitals over the years. And I believe America's in a lot of trouble, but I always believe there's hope. But where I would liken America to possibly being, and actually probably being, is uh, when I've I've been with families when they've had to remove the breathing apparatus, right? And you watch a body, if, for anybody who's ever witnessed it, it's a horrific thing to watch, very painful, the heartbreak from the family, but the, the patient that is dying right before their eyes, then they begin to take their own breaths and their last gasp, and they're, they're violent, and, and they're noisy, right? And America seems to be there. We are taking our last breath. And it is really, in a very real sense, it's violence. We're seeing it in the streets. But it's also, uh, you wonder if America can survive. This is what I do know. Jesus loves us. And God forgives sinners. And there's always a chance to get right with God. There's always hope in the Lord. His desire is that none should perish. Uh, there is still hope in America. There are still preachers preaching the Word. There are still people that are, that are being forgiven. There are still people that are feeling convicted of their sin. There is always hope. And I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ loves people and wants to save well, tell, even America. Tell our viewers how they can get in touch with you and get a copy of your yeah. book. Uh, you can get a copy of the book through HopeForOurTimes.com. Uh, that's our website, HopeForOurTimes.com. The book is there. The book is also on Amazon and, and wherever else it is too. What is your church's email address? Uh, church or, or email. Your, or your website. Uh, website is HopeForOurTimes.com. Okay. Church, ad, church email is 412church. Okay. Dalrick. 412church. You can get a hold of all sorts of things. <laughs> Folks, that's our program for this week. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and I hope the Lord willing you'll be back with us again next week. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. I want to personally urge you to get a copy of my newest book titled God's Prophetic Voices to America. This is my 16th book, and I consider it to be the most important one I have ever written. 
It presents summaries of the prophetic messages of 13 people whom God has anointed to point out the sins of our nation and call us to repentance. Those people include four from the past and nine who are currently speaking out, warning our nation that we are headed for destruction if we do not repent. The voices of the past include Peter Marshall, David Wilkerson, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, and Francis Schaeffer. And the current voices include Don Wildman, Jan Markell, Albert Moeller, and Jonathan Kahn, among five others. This is a book with a very urgent and vital message that both you and your pastor need to read. We can provide it to you for a gift of $20 or more, including the cost of shipping. And since we are very anxious to get the book into the hands of pastors, we will ship you two copies of it for a gift of $30 or more, including shipping. If you desire the special offer of two copies, ask for offer number 780. You can place your order by calling the number on the screen Monday through Friday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. Central Time, or you can place your order through our website at lambline.com. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus. 